Turn with me, if you will, to Luke 13, 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he had laid hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leaders of the synagogue, indignant, became indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. So Jesus has a knack for chapping people off, even when he's not really trying, right? I mean, he just has a knack for getting people angry. Here is this poor woman. 18 years, she's been all, you know, she's bent over. Poor thing can barely move. I, gotta, I know some people like that, right? Have you seen them? And it can barely move, hardly able to walk. And so Jesus does the natural thing and heals her because he can and you know she stands up and the religious authorities the people in charge they get indignant you really shouldn't do that on the sabbath jesus how sad how sad and yet how typical in jesus's day and age you know healing stories in the bible healing stories about jesus they're really not let me here's a little biblical insight they're really not about the healing, right? Healing, in fact, it's kind of incidental to the story. It's just the vehicle through which Jesus conveys the message that he is trying to get, off, get across. Healing is kind of just the sidebar. If you're going to be a Messiah worth your weight, you've got to do a few healings. But, uh, uh, you know, they're really kind of just the vehicle for the story and this is not just a story about that poor little woman getting healed this is a story about a woman standing up amen this is a story about people of privilege and people of power not liking the fact that this woman is standing up This is a story about people in power and people of privilege trying to use religion to justify keeping this woman from standing up. Amen. But Jesus had a different story. Jesus had a different way. Jesus had a different idea about what should be happening and about whether or not this woman should stand up. Jesus gave her to the strength and the courage 
to stand in spite of the people of privilege and the people of power wanting her not to. You see, in the world this woman lived in, the people of power and the people of privilege used religion to oppress. They used it to justify their positions of dominance. They used it to keep the people passive. And quite frankly, if you talk to people outside the church, they think we do that still. But I pray that's not true here at First Baptist Church. Amen? You are anything but passive, i got to say. All right? <laughs> but you know, Jesus is constantly, constantly, constantly disrupting the domination system that is at work in this particular story. Jesus is a thorn in the side of Rome and Rome's collaborators. Jesus is a pain in the neck to the religious institutions and the authorities and the people of privilege and the people of power. Every time someone stands up, this domination system crumbles a little bit. Amen. Peter hunched over his fishing nets and Jesus invites him to stand up and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Stop sitting on the sidelines and just watching the world pass by, but be engaged in what God is doing in your, myth, in your midst. Jesus comes to Matthew, hunched over his tax collection table, and he says, Matthew, stop being a pawn of the system. Stop turning your back on your people. Stop stealing their life and be, bring comfort to your own. Stand up and walk away and know what it is to have dignity again. Know what it is to have a little sense of self-pride. Know what it is to be part of a family. Amen. And he did. And Rome lost a collaborator. Jesus comes across another young woman hunched over against the wall, trembling and waiting for the pain of that first stone thrown by an angry crowd who once again used religion to justify their injustice. And when Jesus disperses them with the challenge, let, let who among you who is without sin, let them cast the first stone. And of course, they all get up and leave. Jesus lifts her at her head and asks, is there anyone left to condemn you? No. Well then stand up and walk away and experience the grace that should have been afforded you by God's people. Stand up and recognize that you are worth more than the fickle affections of some philandering man who, strangely, is not in this scene. That's a whole other sermon. Stand up and know that it is not you, but the system that is broken. Jesus is brought to a man who is crippled his entire has brought a man who has crippled his entire life. Four four buddies 
got sick and tired of him sitting on the sides, not able to walk, all hunched over in a corner, unable to experience the wholeness of life. And they said, let's take this man to Jesus. And they haul him out, four guys carrying a corner of his mat, and they can't get in to see Jesus because the you know, Smith Ticks has been, uh, Hacka, you know, out, outpriced them in trying to get in to see Jesus. So they climb up on the roof, they tear open the ceiling, and they drop him right down in front of Jesus. All this trouble, and Jesus says, Your sins are forgiven. That's great, but you know, I was hoping for something a little more spectacular, but Jesus knew what he was doing. That made him mad again. The people of privilege and the people of power said, wait a minute, you can't forgive sins. Jesus says, oh really? (laughs) That's easy. Watch this. And He says to the man, get up. Stand up. Take your mat and walk. And he walks right out of there. They didn't know what to do with all that. Count your blessings and let them hold you upright and walk away. You know, Jesus, I, uh, Jesus has a lot going on in the Bible, and for us today, there's a lot going on. But I can tell you right now, Jesus wanted to bring down Rome just as much as everybody else. Jesus wanted to bring Rome to its knees, Jesus wanted to confront the people of power and the people of privilege. And the domination system that is represented by Rome and the way it oppressed. But he didn't want to do it with the sword. He did not want to do it with the sword. He does it by helping people stand up. Amen? This week marks the anniversary of the March on Washington. Wednesday will be the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. This also was a time when people of privilege and people of power used everything they could to keep people from standing up. Many of you remember this. As students and protesters marched, they found themselves doubled over and hunched over by the blow of billy clubs. They found themselves hunched down and by the sting of fire hoses. They found themselves balled up on the ground while police dogs bit into them. Martin Luther King said this, if you have never found something so dear and so precious to you that you will die for it, then you aren't fit to live. You may be 38 years old as I happen to be. Him, not me. I'm 44. And one day, some great opportunity stands before you and calls upon you to stand up for some great principle, some great issue, some great cause. And if you refuse to do it because you are afraid, you refuse to do it because you want to live longer, if you're afraid that you will lose your job, or you are afraid that you will be criticized, or that you will lose your popularity, or you, you refuse to take a stand, well, you may go on and live until you are 90, but you are just as dead at 38 as you would be at 90. And the cessation of breathing in your life is but the belated announcement of an earlier death of the Spirit. You died when you refused to stand up for right. You died when you refused to stand up for truth. You died when you refused to stand up for, injust- for justice. 
And they stood up. And they stood their ground. And they moved forward. And they refused to give up. Amen. You can say amen. That's all right. Jesus continues to call us to stand up when we ourselves find ourselves hunched over by the oppression of the world. When we ourselves are bent over from the weight of the world we carry around on our shoulders. Sometimes it's put there by outside forces. Sometimes we haul it up on there ourselves. Don't we? We load up until we're so bent over we can hardly move. When our worry, our own guilt, our own lack of self-worth tells us we should just stay down. Jesus says, stand up! You are worthy to stand tall next to me, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. When our own shortcomings, when our own sinfulness, when our own mistakes makes, it makes us feel like it may break our backs, Jesus says, stand up! You can stand right here now. Let's look ahead to who you can be, not who you have been. Let's move forward, not backwards. Whatever you did, I forgive you. Let's move on. Let's move ahead. Let's get over it. And when the load of all that we feel responsible for becomes unbearable, we cannot carry not only our own burdens, but the burdens of everyone around us and everyone we love and everyone who loves us. I know how you people are. You just you worry. You worry about everybody. You worry about me. You worry about each other. And you're just down. We're down like this going, oh, I can hardly carry it anymore. Jesus says, drop all that so that you can stand up straight and walk light-footed. You know what I'm saying? Carry my burden, and I will carry yours. And together, we're going to move forward. A little spring in the step. And when we can stand up, when we can stand up, Jesus empowers us to stand with those who cannot stand on their own. Stand up for the oppressed. Stand up for the left out. Stand up for the marginalized. Stand up against those who would fight to keep us down. Stand up against those who would use religion to justify oppression. Stand up against injustice and all kinds so that others may also stand up and walk forward and woo, be straight. This is how, this is how we answer the call to herald in the kingdom of God the commonwealth that Christ left in our hands and equipped us to herald in, this is how it is done. It's not done with a sword, right? It's not done with the, it's not even done with me taking the Bible or the hymnal and whacking people over the head with it, right? Like some of your parents did. <laughs> It's not done through trickery. It's not done through guilt and shame. It's not done through the fear of hell. 
It is done through standing up and helping a brother or a sister stand up with you. Amen? Amen. One brother and sister at a time. All of us standing together, standing up, holding on to one another, moving forward until we're all standing up. That's pretty good, Val. (laughs) Let us pray together. Great and loving God, we ask even now that You give us the courage, the strength, the tenacity, the chutzpah to stand up. When we feel hunched over, may we look to Your power to help us stand up. And may we stand against those powers and privileges around us that conspire to keep us and to keep others down. May we remember who You are. And may we remember whose we are. We strive to herald in the commonwealth of goodness and love. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.